Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Belichick can absolutely not win with Brady. I've had enough. I've listened. I've watched. I've heard. I've heard all the different people tell me how great he did in Cleveland. I've heard all the people tell me how great of a coach he is, and he's a Hall of Famer, and he's sticking around to break Don Shula's all-time wins record. But the fact of the matter is simply this. It's over in New England. Bill Belichick cannot win without Tom Brady. I will give you the numbers as Don't At Me starts right now, people. Look, I just told you on the preview here, it is now becoming a fact. Bill Belichick cannot win without Tom Brady. Yes, I understand Belichick is a great coach. Yes, I understand he's got the Super Bowl wins. Yes, I understand that he is hanging around to win 318 games or whatever the hell the record is by Don Shula. I get all that, but the fact of the matter is he is an incredibly mediocre, if not bad, NFL coach without Tom Brady. Let's go through the numbers. Bill Belichick's overall record with Tom Brady was 219 and 64. That's awesome. That's absolutely fantastic. And while he was doing that, people were doing the old Bobby Knight thing. Bill Belichick can win with his, and he can take yours and beat you with yours. That's what they always said about Belichick. Okay, 219 and 64 with Brady. He was 36 and 44 with the Browns. Now, everybody says he took a bad job. Well, that's why jobs are normally open. And he turned the Browns around. That's great. I know he made it to the playoffs. I know he got fired, but he went 36 and 44. Before Tom Brady, he was 25 and 25. He was 25 and 25 before Tom Brady. All right. Since Tom Brady left in 2020, here is the record. 26 and 28. Now, hey, look, I don't know about you, but that's under 500. That's 10 games under 500 when a man named Tom Brady is not his quarterback. 10 games under 500. Now, I say this all the time, and I learned this as a hard lesson as a coach. Players matter. Players big time matter. In fact, players may be all that matters. And in the NFL, quarterback is really all that matters. Tom Brady carried Bill Belichick. I said... When Brady left, we were going to be keeping score. Well, Brady won a Super Bowl, went to another. Belichick's got a couple playoff games, never won nothing, and is under 500 without him. The score, the divorce, is pretty one-sided. It's like Juanita Jordan, or whatever the hell her name is, getting like $300 for being Michael Jordan's wife all those years. The divorce was easy to see who won in that case. It wasn't Michael Jordan. But in this case... It ain't Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick has lost this and lost this massively. And frankly, I believe it's over in New England. Now, look, you can come back to this tape and you can tell me later on, hey, you're wrong. And maybe I am. But I don't see it. 
I watched that team yesterday. Mac Jones can't throw a football any better than a mediocre NFL quarterback. There are no weapons, and when you don't have weapons, you don't have a chance. You can win a game or two, but you don't have a real chance, and Bill Belichick is also the general manager. Now, here's what people are saying. They're saying Bill Belichick is, ladies and gentlemen, a great coach. Okay, but he's a terrible general manager. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know. All I know is this. He's both. And when they were winning, good for him. But they were only winning because of Tom Brady. Hey, the NFL started yesterday in London, and the Jags got a big win. And all of a sudden, Trevor Lawrence looks pretty good. But my God, the the Falcons looked awful. The Falcons with Desmond Ritter were no match. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you guys that live in Indy here, I told you it was a miracle. Miracle that Matt Eberflus the defensive coordinator of the Indianapolis Colts when the Indianapolis Colts collapsed in monumental fashion at home against the Raiders, then on the road against the worst team at the time in the NFL, the Jacksonville Jaguars. It was a miracle that Matt Eberflus, the high school coach turned defensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts, got a head coaching job with the Chicago Bears. It was an absolute stunning development. The, ga- the strings were pulled by Bill Polian. The Chicago Bears were so inept in their front office, in their management, that they went to Grandpa Polian and asked him to give him candidates. He came up with Matt Eberflus. Now, double D here, this guy told you that Eberflus, or Fluss, as he was known to two complete ass-kissing idiots, Zach Kiefer of The Atlantic and Stephen Holder of ESPN, they were all in on Fluss. Well, you got to understand something. In Indianapolis, Nacho Cell. In Indianapolis, our beloved GM will take a group of reporters and put him in front and center in the film room, serve nachos and pizza, and show quitty pay highlights. True story. And all the media goes, oh, my God, this is great. Eberflus went to Chicago and tried the same thing, but mountains of deep dish pizza for the media. That stuff plays in Indy as Chris Ballard, with an under 500 record, has survived not five, not six, but seven years. Lost again yesterday. Eberflus, not so much. There are calls for Eberflus's firing right now, only two games in, or four games into his second season. And they are reasonable. Eberflus has no personality. Eberflus is an ass kisser. Eberflus has no football acumen. Eberflus is a figment of a PR imagination. Now, they lost, they being the Bears, lost yesterday to a team that gave up 70 the week before, and that, ladies and gentlemen, would be the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos came into Chicago and didn't really want to play. They didn't. They were down 28-7 to in the third quarter. Eberflus did, did what Eberflus does. I guess he started coaching. Next thing you know, 31-28, Chicago ball, eh, about the 20, fourth and one, after two timeouts and some, uh, some thinking, some gazindas. Some, ah, we're going to go to the beard and do some thinking. The Bears decided to go for it instead of kick a game-tying field goal. Look, I guess that's the right call, except it wasn't. They tried to go up the middle, got stuffed. Next thing you know, game is over. When Eberflus gets to thinking, wood starts burning. 
When Eberflus gets to thinking, bad things start happening. Look at this guy. I always go by who would I want to coach me, and Eberflus ain't it. And I'm telling you right now, when I tell you a coach is pretty good, he's pretty good. And when I tell you a coach is no good, he's no good. And I don't give a damn what Stephen Holder of ESPN, Bob Kravitz of The Athletic, or whatever the hell Kravitz is doing now from whatever home he's doing it, or certainly the little ass kisser extraordinaire, Zach Kiefer, think about old Fluss, as they called him. He sucked in Indy, and he sucks now, and I'm shocked, shocked that he has not been fired right now by this time because you got to get rid of them. They've lost like 15 in a row. Get rid of them. Anyway, uh, Riverboat Ron. When Riverboat woke Ron Rivera loses, I ain't mad about it. I'm tired of Ron Rivera. I am. I like when the Eagles win. Not sure why. Their coach reminds me of a kid I grew up with, Daryl Collins. I like Daryl Collins. Daryl Collins was a tough kid. Really tough. Their coach of the Eagles reminds me of him, Nick Sirianni. I like tough guys. Anyway, yesterday, Riverboat Ron had a chance to go for the win. Late touchdown. Kick an extra point, you go to overtime. Go for two from the two and a half, you got a chance to win the football game. You probably do win the football game. Guess what Riverboat Ron did? Riverboat Ron kicked the extra point. And his undermanned team, he said, was tired, and they ended up losing in overtime. All right. The Eagles remain undefeated. The game got saucy, so what Jalen Hurts do? Jalen Hurts showed his character, and Jalen Hurts has great character. Jalen Hurts ain't afraid. Whoop, 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 whoop. We're going to go win the football game. Sit down, Riverboat Ron. If you're going to be called Riverboat Ron and you're going to embrace being called Riverboat Ron, then you got to go for two, and you got you to roll the dice. Nobody, I don't think, ever gets mad at the coach that goes for two. I don't think they do. They might. Not me. I'm always in on it. Uh, remember I told you a few weeks ago I had enough of Joe Burrow? I did. I had enough of Joe Burrow. I put him down as the guys that give me gas. Joe Burrow gives me gas. Joe Burrow gives me gas to the point where I like when Joe Burrow loses now, and this is hard for me. Teddy Karras Jr. Jr., as we call him right there, number 64, right next to Joe Burrow, is one of my favorite people. His dad is the coach at Marion University, won a national championship. Teddy Karras Jr., the father, Went to my high school. I've known him since he was a little kid. Teddy Karras Jr., the father, won a Super Bowl, got a Super Bowl ring. So did Teddy Karras Sr., the grandfather, won a world championship with the Bears. And Teddy Karras Jr., Jr., won himself two rings with the Patriots. So I root for the Bengals. But I can't root for Joe Burrow no more. I've had enough. Don't know why. But again, when I tell you I've had enough of a guy, nine out of ten times, I'm right. He just seems too much into Joe Burrow. He just seems to be like, I'm Joe Burrow, you're not, screw you. And got to tell you, the most up-and-down team in the league is the Tennessee Titans. All of a sudden, Tannehill's great. All of a sudden, they're rolling. All of a sudden, they're getting it done. It's amazing to me what's going on with the Titans. This week, they stinks. This week, they're good. What the hell's happening here? I don't know. But since my daughter lives in Nashville, I'm glad the Titans are good because she was talking that yang yesterday via Twitter. All right, speaking of the Bengals, we have to do this after every game. After every game, you got to check the temperature of the little pain in the ass wide receiver. You got to check the temperature. You got to put a thermometer in his booty, check his forehead to see if he's sad or not, to see which of the idiots that are currently wide receivers in the NFL are going to rip their coach, rip their quarterback, cry, whine, bitch, moan. Well, this week, 
it was Jamar Chase. Now, Jamar Chase and Joey Ballgame, Joey Burrow, have always made it seem like they are the perfect couple. They are married to one another. They are connected at the hip from LSU to the Bengals. But this is what Jamar Chase had to say yesterday because, well, when teams lose, the Jack wide receiver has to be a Jack wide receiver. Here's the latest installment of wide receivers being idiots. I'm open. I'm always Excuse my profanity. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay, Jamar Chase, let's throw you the ball because you're the only thing that matters. You just got to check it out. You do? I'm sorry. Um, Chase Claypool, another idiot wide receiver, a far less acclaim than what Jamar Chase has. Chase Claypool, I actually kind of like coming out of Notre Dame. I did. Well, he thinks the Bears are using him wrong. Let's go to another idiot wide receiver. You feel like you've been put in the best position for you as a receiver to showcase the best of what you can do? Mm. No. There you go. Well, guess what? Chase Claypool is not with the team. Chase Claypool was a healthy scratch. Chase Claypool is now on the trading block. Chase Claypool. The Bears will take spare parts for him. The Bears will take a fifth or sixth round draft choice for Chase Claypool. And I don't blame him. Just get that guy out of there. Now, there are reports, one way or the other, that the Bears told him to stay home. He didn't show up. I don't know. And I honestly don't care. But we celebrate the idiot wide receiver. The idiot wide receiver, well, frankly, it's historical in the NFL. It's like you get to the NFL and they teach you in a class. All right, let's go to class. Okay, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to go sit in class and we're going to teach you wide receivers how to be jack elves. That's what we're going to do. We're going to teach you how to be fools. We're going to teach you how to be morons. We're going to teach you how to throw your quarterback under the bus, want to fight your quarterback if we can. Uh, that's what we're going to do. We'll teach you. We will. Yeah. I swear to God, it's like there's a class. Um, this isn't on my notes. But you can get mad at me all you want. You can get mad at me all you want for saying this. But I talked to NFL officials. There are four that I talked to. One, actually, African-American. Couple former, one current. And they all told me the same thing. The NFL that you're watching is totally different. The NFL officiating that you're watching is absurd, awful, horrible, sloppy, inept. Those are all words used by NFL officials and former NFL officials, and they all have the same excuse or reason, actually. The NFL got rid of experienced officials in the name of diversity. Everybody says, well, that's racist. That has undertones. It doesn't have any undertones. It's just a fact. I'm telling you a fact on what the NFL did, and these NFL officials that are in there now make fun of the older guys. What? Actual quote from a dumbass diverse NFL official. It took you 25 years to get to the NFL. Only took me five. You must not be any good. Exact quote from an official to an old-time official. Yeah? Well, that official that made that comment, I'm not going to say his name, but he has blown so many calls, there's only one reason he's still in the league. Fact. And that comes from not only white officials, African-American as well. So you can say whatever you want, but the NFL 1,000% went in on appeasement, went in on diversity, went in on 
fast-tracking officials. It used to be 20, 25 years, you got to be an official. Now, now it's just, hey, fill out this application. Let me read the application and we'll put you in. You can get mad all you want. But when I say something on this show, it isn't because I just want to throw something out there. I've asked officials. I've talked to officials. I had a long talk with an official when Lee and I went up to northern Michigan. Just happened to run into him. He was a friend of the guys that we were hanging out with. And the things that he was saying were fascinating to me about the hiring process of officials. And look, you get what you hire. You get what you pay for. NFL officiating is embarrassingly bad, and everybody that is around it, other than you little race baiters, will understand when you don't put a premium on experience, particularly in that game, you're going to get horse bleep, and we got horse bleep. By the way, the NFL gave the largest fine this year $87,418 to a player named Keith Smith, a fullback named Keith Smith of the Atlanta Falcons for busting a running back from the Detroit Lions on a kickoff. And guess what? The play was so egregious, it wasn't even flagged. Uh, Chandler Jones You know, I don't know. I mean, I know we're all supposed to feel sorry for people. I guess I feel sorry for Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones at one point was a pretty good player, but apparently he's lost his mind. Uh, The Raiders have released Chandler Jones after a series of crazy, crazy social media posts. And you know what? He ended up in the hospital. Hey, man, Chandler Jones, I hope you're all right. Godspeed. I mean, the dude has lost his ever-loving mind. He's Jones's. Kind of crazy. John Jones seems like he's always in a pickle. Although I do like this. I I do. uh, Art Jones was great. Art Jones was fantastic. Art Jones is the man. Art Jones played for the Colts. Art Jones looked at my wife. We sat down at a table of a fundraiser. She looked. She goes, wait, are you? He goes, are you from Syracuse? She goes, yeah. She goes, you were my coach crush. I go, what does that mean? Because well, every football player, we 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 love to go to Syracuse softball games because we loved your wife. She was our crush. She looks like Jennifer Aniston. True story. I go, Lee. She goes, I wondered why football players were there. She goes, I thought they were trying to date my girls. I go, Yeah, I know. Coach crush. How about them apples? <laughs> I like it. My wife is hot, but my wife got her brains beat out in pickleball by this guy. Down two zip. Best of five. I came back one-on-one. Beat her three straight games. I digress. Speaking of excuses, and my wife did not make any, Chip Kelly, not Chip Kelly, Brian Kelly is at it again. Brian Kelly, who took, by the way, and people forget this, two things. He took LSU to the SEC championship game last year, but is only four and four in his last eight. And that'll get you run out of Baton Rouge. But Chip, or Chip, Brian Kelly had this to say about his team and why they're losing after a loss the other day. We're playing with inexperienced young players, and that's who we have. There's nobody else walking through the door. That's that old Rick Pitino line. Bird and McHale and Parrish aren't walking through that door. Well, Nobody's walking through that door. And LSU needs to figure it out. Quarterback's pretty good. But look, 
bottom line, got to go beat some folk. Got to go beat them. Did I mention that our, well, did I mention, since we're into college football now, did I mention that our house bet is 4-0? I gave you Alabama. I made it from 14 and a half to 14. If you kept it at 14 and a half, you were fine. You were, you were good. But guess what? 4-0 on the house bet. We're going to Sizzler. We're going to Sizzler. And you can't have none. Anyway, uh, look, USC has a great offense. USC has a terrible defense. And we knew that going into the game. And one of the smartest prognosticators in the, I think, in the world of gambling is a woman named Ariel Epstein. Ariel Epstein is on a bunch of different channels. And I go to him, her, excuse me, for bets. She said 73 and a half was too low. I'm like, wow, no kidding. Take the over. Then I started looking at the defense of USC. It stinks. And then I watched it against Deion Sanders' team. It stinks. They had to lead all day. I get it. Maybe you're playing soft. But give Deion Sanders' team credit. And I'm not so sure that Neon Deion, as he was called at one point, isn't right about you better get me now. His son is terrific. They played without Travis Hunter. They've got a lot of fight to him. they got a lot of insights to him. Urban Meyer told you that on our show. This wasn't just flash, although there is a lot of flash. But you got to give Deion Sanders credit. In his first year of taking over a 1-11 program, they're fighting like crazy and got back in the game, almost, almost got really back in the game and lost by seven. Now you're saying to me, loser's mentality, man. No, I'm not. I'm saying to you that as a guy that coached your first year, look it up. Look at guys' records in their first year. He took over 1-11. It's not like Frank Wright coming in here and taking over six years of no losing seasons and screwing it up. Uh Uh-uh. Deion Sanders has got something going pretty good. But I also got to tell you, anybody thinking that USC is a national champion contender, better think twice. Because that defense stinks. Now, whether or not defense matters in college football, I don't know. But Deion Sanders' team, pretty good. Hey, kudos to Sam Hartman. Yeah, really, Sam Hartman did what Sanders' kid did against Colorado State a few weeks ago. Got the ball backed up. Next thing you know, whop, 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 whop. 21-14. Now, Sam Hartman's a good player. Sam Hartman, by all accounts, is a great leader and a great kid. He looks like Wolfman Jack back in the day. You guys could figure that one out for yourself. But I got to tell you, or Teen Wolf, or some wolf. But you know what? Sam Hartman has got to be on the short list of Heisman Trophy winners. Went into a hostile environment at Duke and took the team, boop, 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 boom, down the field, won the game. Good for Sam Hartman. Uh, Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin went and got it done against our guy. Yeah, he did. Against our guy, Brian Kelly. Let's hear from Lane Kiffin. Oh, yeah, the goalpost guy. I'm sorry. Look at this. I'm sorry. Yes. They rushed the field. Can you play that again? I'm sorry. I am so sorry. Uh, I wasn't Lane Kiffin. This idiot. What? are you doing? The goalpost is 10 feet high, which means his back was approximately 13 feet up in the air. Now, 
LSU rushed the field. Excuse me. Ole Miss rushed the field. Ole Miss rushed. And one dude ran up on a player and got clobbered. But you know what that cost? That cost Ole Miss 100K. The SEC's trying to get it done. The SEC's saying, look, uh-uh, not on my dime, people. Uh-uh, I ain't doing it. We're not letting you do it. Well, 100 grand to an SEC team after a football game and a big win like that, I got to tell you, it's all good by me. You can charge me whatever you want. You can charge me anything you want, and I don't give a rat's ass. I'll pay it. Hey, we got a monster for you today. Chad Withrow's coming up. We're going to talk some Titans, some NFL. Let's go back to the Belichick thing before we go to break, will we? Hey, Dylan, throw up that graphic, will you, Ryan? Throw up that graphic about Belichick. Don't at me about this. Don't even think about adding me about this. We have enough games right now. Look, I'm not saying Belichick isn't a great coach. I'm not saying Belichick isn't a Hall of Famer. I'm not. I mean, you win with the players that you have. And he had Brady, and somehow, someway, that thing clicked to the tune of seven Super Bowls, all-time great, 219 and 64. But what I am saying is there is enough evidence now. There is way enough evidence now to say that Bill Belichick, keep that, oh, don't worry about it, if you want to keep that up there, cannot win without Tom Brady. 36 and 44 without Tom Brady and the Cleveland Browns. Now, maybe that was great coaching. Maybe it was. Hey, I don't know. I know this. There, my, when I was losing at the end of my five years, there were some great coaching there. We lost three, our three best players, three, uh, four out of the five last years I coached. And you can look at my record. It shows it. But we were competing at some point like crazy. 25 and 25 before Brady showed up in New England. Now, maybe that was great coaching. Oh, 26 and 28 since Brady left. Now, you got to understand something. Brady left because Belichick wanted him gone. Belichick did that. I'm getting rid of you one year early. Why do I bring that up? I'll tell you why I bring that up. I bring that up because Belichick would have, should have, had a plan to replace Brady, to keep this thing going. He did not. If you're going to get rid of a player one year early and you're going to outsmart everybody, then guess what? you better have a plan to replace that player, particularly when that player is a quarterback, particularly when that player is the greatest quarterback of all time, the best winning quarterback of all time. He did not, obviously. And if he did, then you're going to have to tell me who was involved in that plan because it has been a blank show. The division they play in now is difficult. It wasn't for a while, last couple years. Brady did leave and go win a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay and go to another. So, this is all on Belichick. And when I watched him yesterday, and the reason we're talking about this today is because I saw a team and an organization that's inept. I saw a team and an organization that was void of talent. I saw the Tom Brady light player, Mac Jones, get benched in the third quarter. Belichick said after, there's no reason for him to be in there. You're right, because he can't pull a miracle out, doesn't have the arm. If you're going to be the, quote, game-managing smart player because you don't have an arm, then you better play smart. Doesn't that make sense? He's a game manager. He's smart. Okay, 
And you got to give the Cowboys credit. Dak Prescott, 261 yards, 28 to 34. I mean, the game was over early. In fact, in my world, the 4 o'clock window was so dull until the Chargers tried to give it away, which we'll talk to Sean Merriman about. Sean Merriman has a hilarious video, by the way. Uh, They tried to give it away. The 4 o'clock window made me go outside and try to grow grass. True story. Anyway, Dallas defense gets three turnovers, a pick six, a fumble recovery. I mean, what do you want me to tell you? And Mac Jones stunk, 38-3. to It's over in New England. It is over. And if I'm Bill Belichick, I guess I stay around until I break down Shula's record. But I got to tell you, that's a horse bleed team, and it ain't getting any better. The biggest roller coaster in the NFL is the Tennessee Titans. They were up yesterday. They got her done yesterday against Joey Football. Also, is Georgia beatable? Georgia went into Auburn and struggled. Brock Bauer bailed him out. We're going to talk about all that with the great Chad Withrow next. Looking for the hottest sportsbook offers? At Outkick, find exclusive promotions, expert picks, and the latest odds. Get in the game at outkick.com slash bet. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I'm going to bring in others on this conversation. Uh, Yesterday, 38-3, Bill Belichick. I've showed you the graphics 219 and 64 with Brady, 36 and 44 with the Browns, 25 and 25 with the Patriots prior to putting Brady in, and then 26 and 28 since Brady left. I'll bring in the expert on this, Chad Withrow. I watched yesterday, Chad, and it hit me like this is over. Like whatever, a great coach, all that. Go get Lombard or go get Shula's record if you want to hang around. But this is a bad football team. This team has no chance, and Mac Jones sucks. Yeah, he and not only does he suck, Dan, he's developing a really bad reputation across the league for just, quite frankly, being a punk, right? Kind of a cheap yeah. shot artist, a uh, guy that no one likes, a guy that no one respects. That's not a good sign for Mac Jones and his career moving forward. Look, I'm with you, and I, I am shocked I'm even saying that or entertaining the notion that Bill Belichick with all those Super Bowls isn't somehow in danger. We had Tom Curran on from New England right before the season started. He's covered that Patriots organization for a while, and he was one of the first to say this is absolutely a hot seat season for Bill Belichick because it was Bill Belichick that told Robert Kraft that Tom Brady was done. And the moment that they let him go and he went to Tampa and showed that he wasn't quite yet done and won a Super Bowl, then all the pressure moved over to Bill Belichick. Now, look, I was in the last, I was at the last game Brady played in New England. That was a playoff loss to the Titans that year. And he was skipping rocks that night. He looked done. He looked like a guy who was seeing ghosts. The offensive line play was bad. 
Brady was throwing it everywhere. He was throwing way too quick, getting rid of the ball, lots of incompletions that way. His final pass was a pick six to Logan Ryan, his former teammate in New England. So I understand where Bill Belichick thought maybe it's time to move forward with someone else and draft our next quarterback, but it did not work out in his favor. And the biggest problem is with this Patriots team, Dan, is what are they exactly? What is Mac Jones? Is he a franchise quarterback? I say no. It was a team that early on with him was really built on defense. Bill Belichick is a defensive guy. They looked terrible defensively yesterday, completely helpless against the Cowboys. If this thing continues trending this direction, I think it's becoming more and more of a slam dunk that this may be Bill Belichick's last season in New England. And I'm shocked I'm even saying that. I know it. I I I, I know. I you know, I always in, in basketball coaching, it's if they'll fire Bobby Knight in Indiana, they'll fire you in football. The Colts, if they'll cut Peyton Manning, they'll cut you. And it's going to be if they'll fire Belichick. I, look, you mentioned Mac Jones. All that stuff aside, I, I, I didn't think he had any arm. And here's the bigger deal, Chad. I'm curious your opinion on this. If you're going to do what Belichick does, which is get rid of a guy too early, right? One year, we get rid of him too early. We got value for him. You got to have a plan to replace that guy, particularly when that guy is maybe the greatest quarterback ever, certainly the greatest winning quarterback. I, it felt like me that Belichick said, yeah, we got to get rid of him. But Cam Newton, Zappi, uh, this guy, there was no plan. And that's malpractice. It's malpractice. And, and maybe it's a little bit of ego, Dan. You know, maybe it's, hey, I convinced yes. myself I've done it once before, right? You know, what was Tom Brady when we drafted him? And that guy went on to be a legend and the greatest quarterback of all time. If I've done it once, I can do it again. You know, maybe some other coach is looking around right now and saying, hey, look at what the San Francisco 49ers are, are accomplishing with seventh-round draft pick Brock Purdy. Well, they get a pass with that because – or sorry, they get a pass for the Trey Lance disaster with drafting him so high and, and getting rid of those picks and trading away to get Trey Lance because they went and got Brock Purdy, who's saving their bacon right now. It doesn't happen that often. I'm I'm no. listing these examples. Why? Because there's not many examples of teams out there that haven't drafted a quarterback really high or in the first round somewhere that are having a lot of success at quarterback. So to think that Mac Jones is the guy is one thing, but to continue to beat your head against the wall saying he's the franchise quarterback is another. Um, maybe it's ego with Belichick. I don't know what it is, but it's not working out right now. No, it really isn't, and I think you're absolutely right. I, I, I think ego, uh, it, you know, it, pride comes before the fall, and that's the worst loss of his career, and honest to God, I, there was nothing there that said it's going to get better. Let me go to college uh, for you. You know, I, I think differently because I think winning on the road, and I don't care who you do it against, is a hell of an accomplishment. Maybe it's not when you're Georgia going into Auburn. Maybe you're supposed to win by more. I don't know. Uh, Georgia beatable, seems like. Yeah, they're definitely beatable. Um, man, you know, I, the SEC, so many more questions than answers through a month. This was a long month of football, too. We had five Saturdays of football in the month of September, which we don't always get. And I'm, I'm done with these five Saturdays, Dan, and I'm thinking, I don't know what the SEC is. The moment I thought LSU was going to turn it on, they go and lose at Ole Miss. Ole Miss looked bad against Alabama. And, oh, by the way, we buried Alabama a little bit too early, right? They look really good now. They look like they have an identity. They could be the best team 
in the SEC. What about Missouri, who's been a big surprise? What about Kentucky, who looked really good at home against Florida? They've been a surprise. Tennessee's looked better since losing that second quarter to Florida that was a disaster that cost them that game. So I, I don't know what's going on in the SEC. A&M's another one that's, that's fascinating to me. Here's what I'll say about Georgia. Dan, I think they've got the best player in college football in Brock Bowers. Yes, he's a tight end, but he is an absolute stud and a difference maker. No one else in the country has a guy like that that is that unique, that can almost single-handedly take over games and can play multiple positions as a pass catcher. Uh, he is just excellent at everything and one of the best tight end prospects we've seen coming up for an NFL draft in a long time. So Georgia has that going for them. But this is now twice that we've watched Georgia just really look underwhelming, which has not been the case with Kirby Smart. It was at home against South Carolina and now on the road at Auburn, where Auburn had a great chance to win this Auburn team who looked bad the week before. I don't know. Maybe it is just home versus away. Auburn looked terrible at AM. They come home. They almost knock off the number one team in the country. But I say that, Dan, and we can talk about other conferences across college football. And I'm going to get into this today on Hot Mike on our show, but the tale of two road trips. Look at Michigan and how they handled a road trip to, to Lincoln, Nebraska, and just thoroughly dominated the Huskers and how they approached that game versus Georgia going to Auburn in a game. The spreads weren't that different. I want to say it was 14 and a half and 19 and a half when you look at that game and look at how differently those games went. I'm starting to really buy into this Michigan team as maybe the best in the country. And that's as much about Michigan looking good and Georgia looking good, but not like the Georgia team we've seen the past two years. Yeah, I'm with you. I would also say this, though, and I watched a lot of it this weekend. The Big Ten is the cure for insomnia. Big Ten football, <laughs> my God, is it freaking dull. I mean, I'm watching uh, what, what they had the big game on NBC awful. I mean, Penn State looks pretty good, and if they're playing at night, that's interesting. But, you you know, Michigan, different level. Ohio State, different level. But you watch the rest of these teams in the Big Ten. My God, are they bad. Maybe Maryland's okay, but it is literally the cure for insomnia. You fall asleep. Indiana, my God, didn't have anything. I don't know. College football is interesting. Let me ask you this question. Hey, Dan, let me, let me jump in on the Big teams. Ten thought, though. Yeah, Because you watch Maryland and Indiana, right? Yeah. Um, Maryland's exciting. I, I don't know what Maryland yeah. is, but they pl play a brand of offensive football that is cutting edge. And on the flip side, you mentioned yeah. that NBC game. I think it was Iowa, Michigan State. I, I, can, mm. I have never seen a team and a program so committed to just playing slow, unwatchable offense the way Iowa <laughs> is. And I, I like this whole Brian Ferentz thing, you know, the, the, the Nepo baby situation with his dad that hey hey son you know you got to score 25 points per game or I'm taking your car keys away and you can't drive for a month I love that the administration and, and Kirk Ferentz is a legend in Iowa City but that they had to come in and say Kirk your son is terrible at his job the offense is awful we got to do something and Kirk said I'm not firing my son which I get right I, I'm, I'm a dad I, I wouldn't want to fire my kid yeah but I love that they just said okay 25 points per game however you get there or you got to go I think it's one of the better storylines in college football. But Iowa's commitment to putting you to sleep and anyone else who watches them play <laughs> is astounding. They're not even trying anything different. They're saying, we are going to run a 1986 offense, and we're going to run this thing into the ground, and we don't care if we put people to sleep. It is astonishing to watch. 
It is. Well, I watched it because I had a bet on it, and I had said here, and I got to tell you, it it it's like golf on a nice Sunday afternoon. It just makes you take a nap. I'm holy hell. All right, uh, I love what Deion Sanders is doing, particularly in his first year. But I got to tell you, if you're going to think USC is a national championship contender, I feel like they got to play some defense, or at least better defense than what they've shown this year. But let me ask you. Does defense really matter when you got Caleb Williams? You can go drop 50 damn near on anybody. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. I mean, look, it's going to matter eventually against someone, whether that be in the Pac-12 schedule, which is much better, or in the playoff. But, I mean, am I going to sit here and say USC is not going to make the playoff because of their defense? No, because of the reason you just mentioned. I mean, if you when you can win 48-41 to uh, like they did on Saturday, which I think they can do pretty consistently – it's tough to pick against you with Caleb Williams on offense. I, I don't get it with, with Lincoln Riley and the, the lack of defense um, and Alex Grinch and what he's doing. It, it is a program that you hate to hear the word about a program, but it's a four-letter word. It's soft. That's what USC seems a bit like. They seem like a video game, but when it comes down to it, they're not going to get necessary stops against the great teams in college football to win a national title. And maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they can't just outscore everyone. But I look at that Pac-12, and I see some really good teams out there and some good teams left on that USC schedule that's going to make it difficult. And then if you move on to a playoff, and let's say it's a Michigan or an Ohio State, Michigan and Ohio State both have shown they can play really good defense this year. They can score also, but they've got really good defensive teams. So I'm not sure that they can just rely on outscoring everyone moving forward. And, hey, on Colorado – Full marks to them. I, I thought they were going to get boat race for a second straight week, and it looked like that early in that game. But they fought. They show they still got a great quarterback and a great offense. Um, this season isn't going to be, you know, some college football contender season that maybe some thought after three weeks. But it's a it's a nice step for Deion Sanders, and he's showing that they're going to score some points in Colorado. They're going to get some buzz. They're going to get some attention. And now, will the recruits follow? I think the answer is yes. I do too. I, I look, I think the recruits are absolutely going to follow. Uh, I, I do. By the way, breaking news from yesterday, my Indiana Hoosiers have fired Walt Bell, the offensive coordinator. There you go. There you go, big boy. We're back. We're back. Walt Bell not, is know. a guy that grew up very close to me, Dan, uh, right down the road, Dixon County, Tennessee, about 35 really? minutes west of Nashville is where he is from, yep. And I think he went to MTSU and played receiver uh, and got a, got an opportunity to be a head coach at UMass, was kind of an up-and-coming offensive coordinator, and now he's looking for a job again. Yeah. Hey, last thing before I let you go, is Texas America's best team? I know you like Michigan. I think Michigan, Texas, Georgia, it is, it's one of those that they have not looked like the best team in America, but until proven otherwise, Dan, they're, they're number one in the country. Yeah. So I'm, I'm yeah. fine with that, you yeah. know, given they've won the last two national titles. I think Texas, Michigan, Ohio State in that group, pick some, one of the great teams in, in the, uh, the Pac-12, whether it be USC or Oregon. But I, I think Texas, as, as far as a complete team goes, that's not USC. We just got done talking about them. They're all offense no defense. I think Texas has the right mix of both. They can get after the quarterback. They can affect the game that way. They've got blue chip prospects on both sides of the ball. And most importantly, they've got blue chip guys on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Really good offensive line, really good defensive line. 
And Quinn Ewers is, is special. Uh, he is a playmaker and he is a winner. So uh, Texas is as good a bet as anyone right now. It's going to be fun, Dan. This is a not a dominating season of college football at the top, but I think there's enough uncertainty that's going to make every Saturday a lot of fun. And not just at the highest levels. I think in some of these major conferences, there's such parity in the middle of the conference that the round robin between those games, that between teams ranked four through 12 in the conference, let's say, it's going to be a lot of fun every single week. I agree. Hey, thanks, my friend. Look forward to your show this afternoon. Thanks, Chad. Always fun, Dan. Thanks for having me on. That's our friend Chad Withrow. You can watch him every afternoon, 3 to 6, right here Eastern Time on the Outkick family of networks. Breaking news from the Chicago Bears, uh, Matt Eberflus, a.k.a. Flus, has announced that Chase Claypool will not, will not be in the building this entire week as they get ready for a Thursday night game on Amazon Prime against the Washington Commanders. That's right, Chase Claypool will not, ladies and gentlemen, be there. He will be sitting this one out. Look, Chase Claypool isn't good enough to do this, and you know what's going to happen. We all know what's going to happen. We know that eventually he'll beg to be back in the league, just like Kaepernick, just like Antonio Brown, just like Terrell Owen, just like all these other idiots that think the league is terrible. Hey, by the way, Texas did beat the living crap out of a pretty good Kansas team. Now, I don't have There's not a lot of years where you say pretty good Kansas team, but Kansas uh, has been pretty good. 40 to 14 was the beatdown. We talked about Georgia. That was a, well, that was a boat race. And ladies and gentlemen, when I tell you something about a player, and this is shifting quickly to the NBA, when I tell you something about the player, and I'm going to get into my Ryder Cup thoughts here in a minute. When I tell you something about a player, take it to heart. I told you Malcolm Brogdon was a clubhouse lawyer, bad for a team, a bitcher, a whiner, a moaner, smarter than everybody. He wins a rookie of the year in the Bucs, and the Bucs can't wait to get rid of him. He wins sixth man of the year with the Pacers. Pacers can't wait to get rid of him. Has a decent or two pre-playoff performance with the Celtics. The Celtics cannot wait to get rid of him. They basically traded Malcolm Brogdon for Drew Holiday. Now, Drew Holiday is one of the great dudes in the NBA. Drew Holiday is a dude's dude, a real good guy. But guess what? Malcolm Brogdon is not. And when I tell you about a player or I tell you about something that transpired in a league, like, ladies and gentlemen, the NFL has changed their, excuse me, changed their refereeing policies, made it more, quote, diverse and inclusive, thus getting rid of a bunch of dudes that had been in the league for a long, long time and reduced the requirements. I'm going to tell you it only because it's the truth. And you can get mad about it. You can race bait on it all you like. But there you go. There you go. Period. Period. That's it. That's it. All right, the Ryder Cup. Now, look, Joe LaCava is a caddy. And Joe LaCava acted like an idiot. And Joe LaCava should not be allowed to ever be on a Ryder Cup player's bag ever again. I thought we had the video. Maybe we do have the video. I think we have the video. Because Joe LaCava, for whatever the reason, decided that he was going to get in the middle. And then Joe LaCava got taunted by Shane Lowry. 
Let's see the video on this. It says here, Caddy gets taunted by Shane Lowry in high, high tense Ryder Cup moment. Video courtesy of Lawrence Donegan. Please bleep out the cuss words. We got it? Oh, that's not him. No, no, no. That's not Shane. That's not, uh, that's not a caddy. That's the uh, marshal. The marshal. He told the marshal to shut the F up. He told the marshal to shut up. Uh, I can't believe we don't have the Ryder Cup stuff. There's a Ryder Cup beef going on. Joe LaCava, the caddy, started waving his hat because Patrick Cantlay knocked in a putt. So LaCava then got in the way of Rory McIlroy. Now, look, here's the deal. Caddy should show up, shut up, and keep up. And Joe LaCava deciding to wave his hat and get in a hassle as Rory McIlroy was lining up a putt shouldn't be tolerated by everybody. But everybody says Joe LaCava's a nice guy. Everybody says Joe LaCava's a great dude. Joe LaCava, my ass. A caddy should show up, keep up, and shut up. And this idiot goes out there. I know he's Tiger Woods' caddy. I know that he was now Patrick Cantlay's caddy. But you don't get in the way of a player. This is their legacy. This is their livelihood. This is the most important thing in Roy McElroy's life, as he said after the Ryder Cup, which, by the way, the Americans didn't bother showing up to. And Zach Johnson was just a complete clown as a captain. But anyway, I digress. The caddies should never get in the way. The caddies should always be out of the way. Show up, shut up, and keep up. That's it. But the Americans, they tried to rally a little bit. The Americans, they tried to get it going. But once again, the Americans get beat. And I don't know why this is. I'm sorry. I don't know why this is. All right? But I never find myself rooting for these guys. I told you, these guys did not need to come to Rome and act like little entitled frat boys. And that's what they did. There was all kind of nonsense, whether Panter Cantillay was going to wear a hat. He wanted to make money on it, uh, whether he did. I don't even care. I said this, and I'll say it again. They acted like what they are, little entitled frat boys. I was in a frat. I got kicked out of a frat. I was person non grata in a frat. Then I was the man of the year in a frat. I've run the gamut on fraternities. And when I was at Indiana or any college, particularly Indiana, I just despised the little collars up wearing frat boys. And that's what the Americans seem to me. The Europeans celebrate cooler. They kind of look cooler. They act cooler. I don't know. That's just how I look at it. And some caddy acting like a clown waving his hat is like an assistant coach doing that. There's no reason for assistant coaches to do anything but celebrate or bitch at the players. That's it. Joe LaCava. My ass. He makes my ass bleed. And I don't like it. And he makes it tired. And it makes it sad. But everybody then say, oh, you know, you know, uh, he's a great guy. I got two words for you. (laughs) Hey, ladies and gentlemen, clown of the week. Clown of the weekend. And arguably the dumbest human being on the planet 
is New York Democratic Congressman Jamal Bowman. Jamal Bowman, at the end, when they were voting to shut down the government, decided that it would be a good idea to go out in the lobby and pull the fire alarm. There he is, pulling the fire alarm. Jamal Bowman said, oh, I was in a hurry. I thought this would open the door. Jamal Bowman is a former high school principal. I think he knows what fire alarms are all about. Then he reportedly said, I didn't know we were on camera. He's the dumbest human being alive, and he's a liar, and he's a thief, and he's a fraud, and he should be put in jail. If you're going to put January 6th insurrectionists who are trying to mess around with the government in jail, grandmothers, some people that weren't even there, then you got to put this idiot in jail. And he's an idiot. I don't give a damn if he's black, white, green, or purple. Idiots are idiots. And as you know, on this particular show, and maybe only on this particular show, do we tell you it like it is? We judge people by the content of their character. We judge them by that, not the color of their skin. This guy could be green, and I would say he's an idiot. Who in the hell thinks to go out and I'm going to pull a fire alarm, and then this dumbass tells us, well, I, I, I thought it was a door. Don't make more of this than what it is. No, your ass should be in jail. He won't go to jail. Why? Diversity and inclusion. <laughs> Our two-tier justice system. <laughs> I mean, seriously, let's be honest. New pictures could throw cold water on Bowman's excuses for pulling a fire alarm. Honest to God, they were trying to delay the boat. Bowman, because he thinks, well, I'm entitled to do anything I want. The fire alarm was bright red. It's clearly marked fire. And it, per, it was next to two, listen to this, and is right next to two signs that provide explicit details on how to open the emergency door. Emergency exit only. The sign's read, push until alarm sounds. Door will unlock in 30 seconds. This socialist, this New Yorker, was caught. He claimed he thought pulling the door would open it. Today, as I was rushing to make the vote, I came to a door that is usually open for votes, but today would not open. So I pulled the fire alarm. Yeah, I'm embarrassed to admit I activated the fire alarm, mistakenly thinking I regret this and sincerely, well, if you sincerely apologize. Congress Bowman did not, Congressman Bowman did not realize he would trigger a building alarm as he was rushing to make an urgent vote. Yeah, okay. He ain't going to jail. Only white middle class people go to jail when there's a, quote, insurrection. African-American congressman who famously said no one is above the law, he's not going to jail. He'll probably get a raise in a parade. He'll probably get a new show on MSNBC. I can't even imagine thinking it has something to do with a fire alarm pulled on the wall. Stop making excuses. See, these are the people that are leading our nation. These are the people that are leading our country. I'm embarrassed for us. I'm absolutely embarrassed for us. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network.
Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You know, some people are great athletes, and they're pretty funny, too. Sean Merriman is one of those guys. Here's a little Sean Merriman yesterday. Remember, apparently my man here still bleeds it, still bleeds the rivalry between the Chargers and the Raiders. Here's a little Sean Merriman from yesterday. Raiders fans are hurting all over the world. It's our responsibility to be there in a critical time in need. Raiders fans like these are crushed and suffering, but with our help and support, we can show them that we really care. Call 1-800-HUG-A-RAIDER-FAN. If you see one, don't walk by him. Help him. Show them that you got a heart. Show them we care. That is so, so freaking funny, man. I saw that last night. I started. It, the rivalry never ends. I don't care. It just never ends. No, it doesn't, man. And, you know, for me, it's like uh... – it's one of those things where you know the fan base we all we all know they hate each other and it's it's going to be like that <clears throat> i think a lot of people automatically assume because the raiders you know moved to vegas chargers moved to la this it's a little different no i think that uh the times are different right and just in general you you talk about how guys play and how the physicality of the game and the rules and everything else so the rivalry is different but there's still some hate there 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 always will be I got to ask you something because I'm on this today and I want your opinion. I, I, um, I went through the numbers on Bill Belichick without Tom Brady and they're not good. And as I was watching yesterday, Sean, I, man, I thought to myself, this is over. You got rid of Brady. You did your year too early. You didn't have a plan. Mac Jones ain't that guy. You had your worst loss. But not only that, this team doesn't have anything. I think this is over in New England. I do. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, you know, it's time. It's been two decades, right? I mean, look at the at the end of the end of the day. Um, Bill Belichick is—he'll go down as one of the greatest coaches, regardless of people think that he was good with with or without Brady. He'll go down as one of the best. But it does leave you to wonder: at least, was he good because of Tom Brady? Now, I always thought that it was the other way around. I thought that Tom Brady was benefiting from Bill Belichick. That—that's just me as a former player, as a competitor. Somebody's watched thousands of hours of films on them over my career. Um, you know, I've always thought that it was the other way around. And Tom Brady leaves New England, goes down to the Tampa Bay, wins a championship. And so I think that, you know, it, it leaves a lot of people to believe that maybe Bill Belichick was Bill Belichick because he had Tom Brady. 
looked over to me. I, I'm with you on that. I think a lot of people felt the way that you felt. But, man, you know, I said we were going to keep score when that divorce happened. And Brady wins a Super Bowl, goes to another. And Belichick's 26 and 28, and he didn't have a plan. you got to have a plan. If you're getting rid of a quarterback, you got to have a plan, don't you? Well, you know, that, to me, in my opinion, goes to maybe the, the cockiness or arrogantness of, of Bill Belichick. Yeah. Right and his and, and what who he is to think that he can continue on to uh, to win without Tom Brady. But look, this happens in every single with every single team in every single division. Right, you have a dominant team for so long in the division, and and over time, those other teams just seem to get better. Right, they they lose enough, they get drafted, draft high players, they bring in some more talent. And over a, a long period of time, the tide is just is going to turn, and it's turned for the Patriots. We can honestly say that they're probably one of the worst teams. Now, I want to take that a step back and say with Aaron Rodgers coming to the team, they were a much better team, not with Zach Wilson, but they're the worst team in the division. We haven't seen that in two decades, and I think that when you're talking about a rebuilding process, that's what this is right now uh, for New England. Yeah, I agree. Hey, uh, Taylor Swift, all the rage. The NFL is all in on it. I mean, commercials, it's either I got to see Kelsey, I got to see Swift. Did you ever date a celebrity like that? Did you ever have a teammate that dated a big-time celebrity? If so, what what's that like for a team? Because this seems to have taken over the NFL. Well, I did, but they never raised my jersey sales like that. So <laughs> maybe I was dating the wrong one. Um no, you look, I, I think that when you, uh, you know, when you have somebody as big of a, as big of a name as, as Taylor Swift um, to come in, um, you have one of the best, if not the best tight end in football and one of the greatest tight ends of all time. It, it's the, the two worlds collide, man. Look, if, if she was dating somebody who was coming off of the bench or somebody that we didn't know, um, then we wouldn't be talking about it. And I know I see the, the, the comedy of people saying that, you know, Taylor Swift kind of put – Travis Kelsey on the map. We all know that that's not the truth. But when you look at worldwide, I mean, football is still, you know, NFL is still climbing their way in international eyeballs, right? And with Taylor Swift, she has that. She's an international superstar. And Travis Kelsey is not. So if you want to look at that way, I guess you can. But I think it's fun. I, you know, people can clown as much as they want to about them taking the cameras back and forth to Taylor Swift and everything else. But the NFL is 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 really coming up with this. And I think it's I think it's fun. I think it's fun for everybody. I do too. I, I do too. I see where people get mad about it. And I'm like, wait a second. This is no problem. Who cares? I mean, it's great. I, I got no problem. All right, let me switch to football a little bit here. How good are the Detroit Lions? Are the Detroit Lions a legit Super Bowl a, a, NFC title contender? I, I said that for the past month. And, you know, a lot of people was was kind of look, turning their heads sideways at me. But at the same time, look at how they finished last year. That momentum started to carry right over. It just did. How they finished towards the end of last year and that momentum this year, they have the perfect coach for the perfect city, for the perfect team, the perfect organization. They, they it, Like everything is matching up well. And by the way, that division isn't the same division anymore without Aaron Rodgers, Dalvin Cook. They, they took a big hit in that division. So what does that happen? We just finished talking about, you know, divisions turning the tide and and, and, and uh, the rings of certain teams kind of taking a downfall. Green Bay isn't the same Green Bay Packers. 
Minnesota is not the same Minnesota with with uh, you know with with Adrian Peterson gone from years ago. Now Dalvin Cook, uh, Kirk Cousins not playing as well. I just it's it's the it's the Lions time. It's the Detroit Lions time right now. And I'm gonna say this, and I want to say this so everybody understand what I'm saying. If they keep playing the way they're playing, they find a way to get to the playoff. Do not be shocked if they end up somewhere deep in the playoffs or much further. Yeah, I mean, they look the part to me. I mean, damn, they really do look the part. Um, when you look at the NFL, what what do you see? Like the Cowboys go and they play great, but they lose the week before. I'm looking at, God dang, I'm looking at the Broncos giving up 70, coming back and win the team to score 70, loses. Uh, a lot of people slip on Josh Allen, man, and all of a sudden he looks good. What do you make of this year so far? You know, it's, it's funny to me is uh... – you got these people that just jump at the opportunity for that moment, right? Dallas Cowboys go out and blow out the the uh, the Giants forty to nothing first night. Now you, everyone's screaming Super Bowl, right? Super Bowl, Dallas. We're going all the way this year. We're going to you know, walk through everybody, and they go and have this big hiccup against Arizona Cardinals, and they come back and do so. You can't really start calling these shots too early. The season is long. There's injuries. There's uh, coaches changes that's going to be happening here shortly over the next couple of weeks. I guarantee you that. Some big-name coaches as well. Uh, some guys being sat down. Look, we saw Mac Jones get, get benched. There's a lot to happen during the NFL season. And for anybody to kind of take one game and, and make your whole season out of what happened at one game is setting yourself up for failure. Boy, I agree. I mean, look, I, I look at things and I go, man, Tennessee's terrible. Then all of a sudden, Tennessee is good. You know, how difficult is it? We've seen some pretty good rookie performances. The Rams wide receiver, terrific. C.J. Stroud playing fantastic. I'm in Indy. I love what Anthony Richardson's doing. They got beat, but, it, you know, you can see what that kid's going to be about. How easy or how difficult is it for a rookie to come in, particularly at those positions, and do what these guys are doing? Well, it's extremely difficult because now we put so much emphasis on a quarterback, right? Um, I remember when, you know, the Tom Brady's of the world and Peyton Manning's of the world and Drew Brees of the world. When those guys came in, look at look at their running backs. Look what they had at running backs. They had a safety blanket back there. And they, we, the NFL still believed in running the football then. Fullback position was still alive, right? So if you're a rookie quarterback, you're struggling, what are you going to do? You're going to hand the ball off and establish a running game. That's no longer the case in today's NFL game. You're expecting these guys to get on the field right now and perform and, and step in without the rookie mindset. They got to get in there and, and, and turn the organization around. And these guys are doing it. You know, you if you're a football fan, you should feel extremely excited about the turns of quarterbacks. These, these quarterbacks, the Richardsons, the Shrouds, um, the Bryce Youngs, you know, guys just coming in, the new uh, kind of a breath of fresh air, what the league's going to look like for the next decade or so. So you got to feel confident that the ball is going to be in their hands going forward. Yeah, it's pretty good, like you said. And not only that, they're under mo way more scrutiny because, you know, social media has been around here long enough. But still, damn, Brady and and Manning. Manning came in, it was 3-13, and 13, and everybody was still excited. But, you know, he, he, he wasn't crushed like they were crushed. Uh, last thing before I let you go. Um, Deion Sanders, I've said I coached a long time. First year, took over 1-11. and 11. 
I think he's doing an unbelievable job. Forget about the stuff off the field. I'm talking about on the field. It, his team has heart. I saw it against uh, CSU. I saw it the other day. Your thoughts on what Deion Sanders is doing? I mean, it, it's impressive, you know, and that's an understatement. And I, I said this before the, before the season started. If Coach Prime goes out and win five football games, that's a win. From what they had last year to what they're doing now, all the new transfers, all the new players that they got in that locker room, they win five. Now, I'm not saying that he that that's their mentality. That should be their mentality. But from the outside looking in, any coach that comes in and, and, and has what he has on the table, the cards that he was dealt, if they can win five games and stay competitive to the USC, stay competitive to the Oregon's, those, those you know high-end teams, they stay competitive, you know what they're going to do this offseason. They're going to recruit well. They're going to bring in the people, the guys, the players that they want to have in that locker room. They're going to be a much better team. And Dion is doing, regardless of what anybody feel personally about Coach Prime, He's doing exactly what he's supposed to do in order to bring all the eyeballs and attention, the excitement to that program to have the best players recruited this offseason. And that's what's going to happen. That's showing they had against US, USC. I guarantee it brought him a, a few additional four or five star recruits just because the way they came back, the way they fought and they didn't quit. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, people think it's about flash, I guess. and But no, it's it to me is about real toughness. Speaking of toughness, big boy, you got another fight coming up. You got fights, fights, and more fights. What you got this weekend? That's right. Next Saturday in Long Beach, California, lights out extreme fighting. We're back. Uh, you can, if you're in Southern California, you don't want to miss this one. Get your tickets at lightsoutexcept.com. Um, this one's going to be a huge one. Got, you know, as you see right there in a poster, um, you know, Albert Morales and Musa Tolliver Albert, who spent a short time in, at the UFC. Uh, get your tickets at lightsoutexcept.com. If you're in Southern California, you don't want to miss this one. And we'll be live on Fubo, Fubo TV, Fubo Sports. If you don't have Fubo, make sure you get it. This is our biggest card yet. There you go, man. It keeps growing, it doesn't it? It just keeps growing, Sean. And uh, congratulations, man. Good stuff. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's the great Sean Merriman. And you know what? Go to Fubo TV, get the card, and spend the evening having a great time. And what are you, crazy? I mean, it's great fighters, man. And it's dudes that are busting it. You see it right there. There it is. Morales, Tolivar, Lights Out, Fubo TV. You can see it. You can watch it. And if you are in Southern California, and I know I have a bunch of people from Southern California that watch that, head on over. And give it a watch, and you'll have a great time. Thanks to Sean Marion for joining us. That video was fan-fantastic, man. Absolutely fantastic. So there you go. Uh, let's continue the conversation. Stock up, stock down. Uh, let's go. Stock up. I like Ryder Cuff beef. I like beef. I'm a fat guy. I like beef. But I like Ryder Cup beef. Ryder Cup beef is good beef. We got beef. We got Roy McElroy going at Bones, the caddy, in the parking lot. We got the Americans trying like crazy, their caddies, to get under the skin. But guess what? Roy McElroy and the rest said, nah, you ain't good enough. Stand down, America, is what Roy McElroy said. Stand down, fellas. We love our captain, Luke Donald, former Northwestern player, and actually – 
former number one in the world, and when players got bigger and stronger and started hitting at 10 miles, Luke Donald couldn't compete with that. True story. But that's all right. Beloved dude is a captain of the Ryder Cup. In fact, his players were chanting two more years. Look, I'm all about it. I'm all about some Ryder Cup. I'm all about angst in golf. After, I don't know if you saw this, but a bunch of golfers uh, on the PGA Tour took pictures with Brooks Kepka, including Ricky Fowler, including Sam Burns. I mean, they took pictures with Ricky Fowler wearing, wait for it, live golf gear. That's right, live golf gear. So we're going to see what happens here, but I got to tell you, I like golf angst. I do. I want to see some throwing hands on the golf course. I want to see some dudes having at it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the beloved Indianapolis Colts lost 29 to 23. And here in the great city of Indianapolis, we don't really care about wins and losses. We care about draft picks and cap space. We have a seven-year general manager whose record is god-awful. But in L.A., they do. And in L.A., they have a wide receiver whose name is Puka. Man, this kills my ear. Puka Nakua. Puka Nakua, all Pooks did was, oh, I don't know, nine catches in ten targets, including the game winner, 163 yards. Nobody in the history of the NFL has caught more passes than Nakua in his first four games. Nine catches, five catches, 15 catches, and 10 catches, 39 catches in four games. That's damn near 10 a game. Damn. 13 yards a catch. Damn. Stock up Puka. I'll tell you something else. I don't respect him because he didn't help the lady up off the stage at the Super Bowl. But man, oh man, can Matt Stafford sling the caca. That dude can throw it. I remember years ago, opening day, 35 seconds left, the Colts were tied with the Detroit Lions, and Matt Stafford took them down the field in 35 seconds. Well, he did it again yesterday in overtime. You can whine, you can complain about the overtime rules in the NFL, but I got to tell you, the overtime rules and did not allow Richardson of the Colts to have the football didn't matter. Football is a team game. Everybody tells me it's the ultimate team game. So defense, do your job, get a stop. And then Richardson would have gotten the football. It ain't that hard people, but Puka Nakua, uh, I got to tell you, this is going to be a combination. This hurts me in my heart. This hurts me in my soul. This hurts me to say stock up the Arizona Diamondbacks, stock down to the Cubs. We don't have the Cubs as stock down. But the Arizona Diamondbacks, who, by the way, lost four in a row to end the season, somehow, some way, got themselves into the wild card spot. That's right, I said it. They clinched the playoff spot even though they lost four in a row. Why? Because the Cubs won one game in the last 10 days of the season after Seiya Suzuki dropped the ball. So the Diamondbacks go four and six. The Diamondbacks can't beat nobody, but they get into the playoffs. So I guess I'm going with stock up. But while I do it, I got to say stock down to the Chicago Cubs. Chicago Cubs finished one game back, one game back of the Diamondbacks, up six to nothing against the Braves. 
one, two, three, four, five, six games ago. Fly ball out in right field, Suzuki under it. He waves off freaking the gold glove Ballinger, and he misses the ball. That resulted in a six to five loss, seven to six loss. Next night, they're up in the ninth, five four, lose six five. Next night, four five three. Next night, four three, all losses. They win one when it basically didn't matter. And then yesterday's game, another loss did not matter. There you go. David Ross, I got two words for you. You're giving me gas. But good for the Diamondbacks. Good. Stock down Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool just keeping it alive, maybe. Keeping it real, Chase Claypool. He's not being used right. He said, yeah, shut up. You've shown yourself to be a whiner, a bitcher, a moaner, a, mal- a malcontent, and somebody that doesn't contribute to winning. So now, today, there's a mess in Chicago. Matt Eberflus originally said that he expected Claypool to be in the building all week. Now Matt Eberflus is saying he doesn't expect Chase Claypool to be in the building all week as they get ready for an incredibly inept affair on Thursday night Amazon Prime against the Washington Commanders. This guy decided, well, guess what? Guess what? I'm going to be a mouth. And the Bears decided, yeah, we'll take your mouth home. It's exactly what happened. So, now, here's what I say to everybody. Stock down to Claypool. Stock down to Eberflus. Here's the deal with Eberflus. Nachos, pizzas don't work in Chicago. You saw your boss here in Indianapolis, Chris Ballard, give nachos to the media. Have pizza. Have film with Ballard days. All the nonsensical stuff that Chris Ballard did to get the media on his side. And it worked because we have ass kissers here in Indianapolis media. They do not have that in the media in Chicago. They've got real people. They've got real media. They've got a soft media for a big city. They've got a media that loves the Bears probably more than they love themselves. But Eberflus isn't, well, it's not going to work. He tried it with the deep dish. He did. He took a swing with the deep dish to the media earlier. That don't work in Chicago. Nachos, Indy. Winning everywhere else, period. Billy Napier, I don't know what to tell you. I just don't know what to tell you. I got this this morning from a friend of mine. I got this this morning from a friend of mine who's currently a football coach. He goes, how about this? How about this? If you work in Gainesville today, you got a staff meeting, you got player grades, you got a team meeting, you walk over to a training table, guarantee you, It's the smell of pot. Which guys missed class? Which guys were late? You make all kinds of recruiting calls. Uh, Sunday morning, maybe you got a TV show. Maybe you got a radio show. And that's your life right there. I love the part about the smell of pot in the air. Billy Napier has a terrible football team. Billy Napier has a football team that had had one good quarter, second quarter against Tennessee. You think Vols, or excuse me, you think Gator fans, you want Urban Meyer back? Do you think maybe Urban Meyer made your program? Because it hasn't been very good since. You got rid of Dan Mullen because you were bitching, whining, and moaning that he wouldn't recruit. And now you got a guy that you all love and look at him. Just look at him. I told this story many times. I won't bore you with it, but an alumni of Florida and I got in a heated argument on the court at the Kohl Center after the Florida-Wisconsin game because he besmirched Urban Meyer. Yeah? 
My guess is, I don't know, maybe this is wrong, but my guess is Florida would open their checkbook and beg Urban back. Don't do it, Urban. Stock down the dumbest human being currently leading our nation. No, for today it is not Joe Biden. No, today it is not Nancy Pelosi. It is that man right there, the moron, the idiot, the fool. That is Jamal Bowman, Democratic race baiter, er, fascist, er, socialist, that's right, from New York. This dummy thinks that we're all going to believe, and legacy media will believe, and will go with, this guy pulling a fire alarm because he thought it opened the door. Well, as the great Bob Knight used to say, you're either too stupid or you just don't pay attention. There ain't no just pay attention. You're just too stupid. So let me rephrase that, Bob Knight. You're either a liar, Jamal Bowman, or you're too stupid. I would go with both. I would say C, all of the above. Jamal Bowman, you are a liar. You said after, I thought it would open the door, and you're really stupid. I mean, you thought that you would go in the Capitol building, pull a fire alarm, and no one would see it, This ain't the Biden White House where they don't know who did coke. This isn't a Supreme Court where nobody knows who leaks anything. Apparently, they will shut off these cameras from now on. But hey, you got nabbed. And you, sir, are an idiot. Now, this is an insurrection. This is obstruction of justice. I understand that in the world we live in, only the white people, only the white grandmas and grandfathers that were around the Capitol, some that weren't even around the Capitol on January 6th go to jail. African-American go to jail over insurrection? Oh, we cannot have that. That is not what we got. So there you go. Man, stock down and sir, you are not only incredibly stupid, but you, sir, are a liar. Be right back. Looking for the hottest sportsbook offers? At OutKick, find exclusive promotions, expert picks, and the latest odds. Get in the game at OutKick.com slash bet. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, get the points bets right now. I hit a three-team parlay yesterday. I have a friend who has made over a million dollars sports gambling. He sent me a three-team parlay. I got on my points bet account yesterday, and it hit like it was my job. And then I took way too much money, and I put it, well, frankly, I put it on Zach Wilson over 171 and a half yards. I think he had that by the third quarter. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you noticed this, but we hit every one of our bets this weekend. In fact, fellas, if you could pull up the video of me making bets last week, uh, yeah, 
We hit them all, including the house bet. So go to PointsBet. New users will get up to $1,000 in relief. That's right, up to $1,000 in, hey, you screwed it up. We're going to help you out kind of bets. You got to go to outkick.com backslash bets. But if you're a new user, you get $100 or $1,000, excuse me, in, hey, hold on. You lost that bet? We'll replenish it. Hey, go to 1-800-GAMBLER if you got a gambling problem. Remember, you got to be 21 or older. Don't be some little kid trying to bet. And for the love of all things holy, don't be some jackass out there, college athlete that's betting. Don't do that. Outkick is too good. All right, here's the deal. Uh, watch this video. Shows a high school ref ripping the helmet off of a player. This is in Texas. Watch this. What the hell is he doing? Like, watch it right in the middle. We can show that again so people know what to look for. Watch it right in the middle of the field. You're going to see, I don't even know. what. Maybe the guy runs into him. I get, He ran into him. The ref just yanked his helmet off. I mean, let's understand something here. There's an investigation going on by the high school association. What the hell is the ref doing? Like, you're the middle judge or back judge or whatever they call it. You're in the middle of everything. You better have your head on a swivel. Yeah, he gets bumped into. Kid doesn't see him right there. And then the ref just loses his mind. I Look, let's be honest. That's like referees are like, I don't know, caddies. Show up, shut up, and keep up. And once in a while, when you're in the middle of a football field, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get banged into by a running back, uh, a guard or tackle running downfield. I mean, you're going to get banged into. And that referee said, not on my watch, people. Not on my watch. We are not having it. All right. Okay. I, I guess. I don't really understand it. But you should investigate it. And let me do the investigation for you. Hey, son, come in here. What are you doing? Well, he bumped in. Okay, that's good. Uh, turn in your whistle. You're never referring anything ever again. Turn in your whistle. Boom. And there you go. Uh, Kai Jones is going to be away from the Hornets. Kai Jones, apparently, hey, look, man, NFL is fantastic. But Kai Jones is going to be away. All right? And Kai Jones, they're like, hey, man, you know what? Take a walk. This, you know what? He played for Texas. I've had a higher field goal percentage than those guys since I came out of the womb. And none of them can guard me. So know your ball before you talk to one in here, MF. All right. Yeah, I don't know why that would put you away from a team. I mean, the dude's only 22. I mean, thank God we don't have, I don't know, the same kind of thing here at OutKick. I'm going back and forth every day with people. But he's going to be away from the team. Now, remember, this is a team that is bringing back Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges, um, he's the guy that got in a fight with his wife. Now, according to people, Miles Bridges is crazy and his wife is crazy. But then he's been bashing his own teammates. Apparently, these are his own teammates. So they're like, hey, look, quit bashing your own teammates, you blue-haired dummy. What are you doing? You got to quit bashing your own teammates. 
All right. He went on Instagram live also, and he was sweating, acting crazy. He seemed to say he's a better player than LaMelo Ball. Everybody's a better player than LaMelo Ball if you're talking about winning. And Brandon Miller, I mean, Brandon Miller, he uh, bringing a gun to a murder. Uh, He also criticized Mark Jones. So, you know, he's acting a little nutty. So take a little time. You only average three points a game. Take a little time, Kai, and figure it all out. Look, it's the NBA. Morons are always going to be morons. Speaking of morons, media day was today with guess who? The Philadelphia 76ers. Now, the Philadelphia 76ers have a problem on their hand, and his name is James Harden. James Harden no-showed the Philadelphia 76ers today at Media Day. Now, look, I get it. I do. I get it. Embiid is the main attraction at Media Day. But with all that went on in the offseason with James Harden calling his general manager, Daryl Morey, a liar, he would be an interesting guy to have. Now, here's the deal. This clown, James Harden, last seen at a, quote, party he was hosting, where some scantily clad young lady held up a sign saying, Daryl Morey is a liar. This guy's being paid, listen for it, $35.6 million to lose in the playoffs. That's right. To be fat, hang out with the hoes, the hookers, the drugs, the guns, the, the, uh, the clubs. I mean, that's what Harden does. He said that. He's traveled to games earlier, and he has actually said that's what he likes to do. He wants to go early so he can hang out at the club with all those folks. Good for him. Hey, I ain't mad at you, but win a playoff series. Anyway, $35.6 million to disrupt the team and not show at media day. I would be making this phone call. Hello, NBA offices. Hi. Uh, Moray here, what is the max, according to our collective bargaining agreement, that I can find James Harden? Hold on, let me look. $10 million. Okay, thank you. I would put out a statement. James Harden has been fined $10 million. It's not $10 million. But that's the life Harden wants. That's what he wants. He has said that. He has said that over and over. He has shown that. He wants to hang at the club and play a little ball for $35 million. I got to tell you, I need a little more than that. Uh, Josh Primo is a kid that I saw play, called one of his games in Alabama as a freshman. He's from Canada, and he's pretty good. Like, I thought he had a chance to be really good. He was dynamite. I mean, dynamite with Alabama against Auburn in a big game. Well, this dude decided it was a good idea that he, way back in the day, was going to expose himself. Now, I got to tell you, I always look into what is exposing yourself means because I could get arrested, honest to God, 10 times a day for peeing outside. I pee outside like it's my job. I have this bladder thing, and every, all, every once in a while, I just got to go. Now, I don't do it in front of people. I don't do it at the gas station pumping gas or in front of whatever. I don't do it in front of, like, person. I do it, like, under my deck or in the corner here. But I do it. And somebody could arrest me for having a pee and say it's indecent exposure. Apparently, this is not what he does. Apparently, he exposes himself to women. He wants women to see the junk. Well, 
the NBA has said, all right, here's the deal. You got to go to counseling, and we're going to give you four games. We'll give you four games. Eh, four games. All right. I don't know who he's with now. He used to be with San Antonio. My guess is uh, there's going to be a hullabaloo, if anybody even cares, if any team brings this kid in. I feel bad for the women that got exposed to by this guy. Think about the mentality of somebody just walking around. Hey, how about my junk? Want to see something fun? No, I really don't. Well, you're going to anyway. Hey, good for Cal. Is what it is. Apparently the Clippers picked him up. Thank you for that, Nick. Clippers picked him up. Another in the latest line of great moves by the Clippers. Caleb John Raleigh. Caleb John Raleigh is a catcher. Caleb John Raleigh is a catcher for the Seattle Mariners. All right? He hit 30 home runs, 7 RBIs, uh, 75 RBIs, batted a cool 235. He's got thoughts. He ain't happy. He ain't happy with the Mariners' front office. Let's hear from Cal, not Cal Naughton of Step Brothers, Cal Raleigh. You have to buy, and that's just the name of the game. And um, you know, we'll see what happens this offseason. Hopefully, we can add some add some players and um, become a better team. You look over in the other locker room right there; they've they've added more than anybody else, and you saw where it got them this year. So, um, there's more than one way to skin a cat, that's for sure. But um, you know, going out and getting those big names, people who have done it, people who have been there, um, people who are leaders, people. Uh, who have shown time and time again that they can be successful in this league is, is definitely going to, you know, would, would help this clubhouse, would help this team, maybe help those little things, uh, you know, that we need. What are you going to do, man? When you lose, players talk. It's the front office. It can't be the players. It's like Indiana football. Indiana football, I've been watching since 73. That's 50 years. It's always the coach's fault. It's never, ever, ever the players. Never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever. Well, sit at home. Nobody knows you. Hey, by the way, Rodney Harrison should be fired. Rodney Harrison did an interview yesterday with Chris Jones about Zach Wilson, and he called him garbage. He's trying to get Chris Jones to call him garbage. Now, I don't think we can play the interview because it's part of the broadcast. But Rodney Harrison should absolutely be fired. And it pains me to say it because Rodney Harrison, frankly, he and Dungy are two of my favorite guys. But Rodney Harrison, and this is what you get with media that gets entitled. They wanted to call him garbage, saying he basically has white privilege on the air. Now, thank goodness, thank goodness that Chris Jones wasn't taking the bait. Chris Jones said, what, are you crazy? Dude played a great game. But Rodney Harrison should be fired immediately. He should be off the air. He should be. He literally called Zach Wilson garbage on the air in the postgame show. It was personal. Jones didn't take the bait. He praised. He did. He praised Harrison. But I get it. Even Micah Parsons is saying, bro, honestly, I'll never understand media. This platform should be a moment to praise the Chiefs, and they win. This guy's trying to completely tear down Zach Wilson. Oh, this guy is trying to completely trying to tear. Yeah, okay. Uh, I don't get it. I honestly hope Zach proves a lot of people wrong. 
This is from uh, Micah Parsons. This is absurd. They should fire Rodney Harrison immediately. Rodney Harrison should be fired, but he will not be because it is almost impossible to fire an African-American coach or an African-American broadcaster. This is racism. This is overt, not covert. This is overt racism. It is. And it, it should not be tolerated. It just should not be tolerated, and Harrison should be fired. It, but it is going to be tolerated because we don't have any guts in this country, and Rodney Harrison is a coward. Rodney Harrison is not a coward physically, but Rodney Harrison is an absolute coward. He's a coward for saying that. NBC should be embarrassed by it, and he should not be on any more broadcasts ever. Immediately fired. Immediately. Period. And if you disagree with me, good for you. I, I accept people that disagree with me. But I got to tell you, I ain't wrong. Overt racism sucks. Covert racism sucks. Anyway, long story short, overt or covert racism, no. Shouldn't be tolerated. All right, let's go back to Bill Belichick. I'm going to keep saying this. Bill Belichick suffered the worst loss of his career, 38-3 last night. And it was even bigger than that. As I watched this, it hit me. This is over in New England. Like, this is not going to continue down any path that leads to a Super Bowl, even an AFC championship game. It is subpar for the standard that Tom Brady apparently brought to the New England Patriots. What is Bill Belichick without Tom Brady? This is a great graphic. Thank you for this, Ryan and Dylan and everybody involved. This is awesome, Nick. Thank you. And my guy Aaron did the research on this. Aaron, thank you. 219 and 64 in games Brady started. 36 and 44 as the Browns coach. Hey, look, I understand he got him to the playoffs. I understand. I get it. Maybe it was a great coaching job, whatever, but that's the record. 25 and 25 without Brady before Brady came. Remember, Bledsoe was the quarterback Brady replaced. That's the record right there. 26 and 28 since the divorce in 2020. 26 and 28 since Brady left New England. What Brady do? Went to a Super Bowl twice. Won one Super Bowl. I'm watching yesterday, and I'm thinking to myself, you can blame whoever you'd like, but Matt Jones isn't good enough. Cam Newton wasn't good enough. I'm just telling you, these guys, the replacements that they have had for Tom Brady, remember, the arrogance of Bill Belichick was on full display when he got rid of Brady a year early. He had gotten rid of other guys, and it worked. Got rid of a guy. He went and played somewhere. They didn't think he was good enough. It worked, I guess. But it didn't work with Brady. And in this divorce, this is embarrassing for Belichick. This is embarrassing for Robert Kraft. This is embarrassing for everybody associated with the New England Patriots, except, ladies and gentlemen, Tom Brady. Tom Brady got to be sitting there going, huh, kind of told you. I know I didn't look good, but I kind of told you. There's always a backstory, and Chad Withrow came on our show and said, hey, look, last game in Tennessee looked awful. And I'm sure he did. 
but there's always a backstory. Was he hurt? How hurt? What was hurt? Like, you can be hurt, but it doesn't affect you. Where are you hurt? How hurt are you? That affects you. But I don't see this continuing. I don't see this continuing at all. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, I told you that Joey Burrow was giving me gas. The other day, I gave you five quarterbacks that I liked and five quarterbacks that gave me gas. Well, Joey Football's giving me gas. Yes, I know he's banged up. Yes, I know he's got a cap. Yes, yes, and yes. I know all of it. But you just heard the explosion. That's my gas. Because I eat bad foods. I'll eat a Big Mac after having a couple beers, and I ain't afraid of it. So that kind of explosion is gas. And I got to tell you, it's starting to slip inside the Bengals. Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase did whatever self-respecting wide receiver is taught to do. Act like a fool after a game. So let's hear from Jamar Chase, star wide receiver of the Bengals. I'm open. I'm always Excuse my profanity. I'm sorry. Yeah. Now, people that were third team all Lake Suburban Conference will tell you, that's what I want my receiver to be like. No, you don't. You want him to be like that in private. You don't want him to be a jackass in public. You don't want anybody to. You don't want the quarterback. You don't want the running back. You don't want anybody. You want to keep that in-house because those of us, those of you in the media, I am not media. I am an entertainer and a damn good one. We're going to go after it. We're going to pounce on it. We're going to go all in on it. So there you go. Next thing you know, oh, I don't know. Next thing you know, boom, boom. Now you got a situation in Cincinnati. Speaking of Cincinnati, Brian Kelly, who coached at Cincinnati, see what I did there, upset after a loss to Ole Miss. Now, Brian Kelly last year was the flavor of the month as he led LSU to the SEC title game. They lost. They got trounced by Georgia, but what the hell? They still got there. A lot of teams didn't. After the drubbing they took LSU at Old Miss and the crowd rushed the field costing Old Miss $100,000, Brian Kelly had this to say. We're playing with inexperienced young players, and that's who we have. There's nobody else walking through the door. Speaking of gas and backsides, an LSU fan decided he was going to climb up the goalposts. We're happy. We won. Hotty toddy. Party. Yay rah. Fraternities. Sororities. Uh, white dudes with moppy hair. You know what I'm talking about. Everybody looks like they're either a former or future golf pro or like Eli Manning. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this guy decided he's going to go oh, climb up and do a flip. He didn't stick the landing. There was literally no way that was going to go well. I want you to think about that. If he sticks the landing, he's going to tear an ACL. So this clown gets on the goalposts, does a flip. Next thing you know, boom! He should find his mom and dad 100000 for raising an idiot. That's what they should find. And lastly, as Chicago turns continues, Chase Claypool, another maniac wide receiver who, frankly, oh, I don't know, 
has to do what wide receivers has to do. Is he going to be in the building this week? Eberflus said yesterday, yes. Eberflus today said no. A very inept reporter, actually a god-awful reporter named Courtney Cronin, is kind of in the middle reporting both. Good for Courtney Cronin. She's awful at her job and is showing it daily. But anyway, here's the all of the hullabaloo, or part of the hullabaloo, over Chase Claypool. The constant whining of Claypool has finally made Eberflus apparently say enough. Here's Chase Claypool. You feel like you've been put in the best position for you as a receiver to showcase the best of what you can do? Mm. No. I mean, he said, yeah, yeah, just, I mean, you know what? I lift a cheek to you, Chase Claypool. If I'm lifting a cheek to you, if I'm lifting a glass to you, that's good. If I lift a cheek, tomorrow we'll do a segment, Nick. Let's do a segment. I lift a cheek to thee. I lift a cup to thee. Cup, good. Cheek, bad. That's a pretty good idea for a little segment. I ain't mad about it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the dumbest human being alive is not that kid that flipped. It is some guy named Jamal Bowman, the socialist racist dummy that is somehow a representative of the great city of New York pulling a fire alarm and then trying to convince us he didn't know. I didn't know. Moron. Speaking of morons, let's woke a dope it, shall we? Your borders, your streets, your stores, your president. Boy, is this true. Our borders are wide open. Somehow, someway, nobody wants to believe it. These are our streets right now. These are our stores boarded up. You got to put everything behind glass. Look, I grew up with this. In Gary, Indiana, if you went into Milan's pub, you had to buzz in. And make no mistake, he looked at you. If you looked like a maniac, he didn't let you in. One night, my buddy Kevin Custer and I were getting ready to go out. We stopped at Milan's for one. We're sitting there minding our own business, playing some pull tabs. Next thing you know, biz, biz, biz. Marty, who really never refused anybody entrance, look, a couple African-American dudes are all upset. One of them is bleeding. They come in the place. Dude's got blood all over. Another dude is shaking. He, one guy starts coming behind the bar. Marty grabs a shotgun. Guy says, you got to help me. He gets the phone's right here. Call 911. No, man, can't call 911. Then how do you want me to help you? He says, well, I got to get out of here. He says, there's the back door. But let me call 911. Dude's bleeding. Marty's got a shotgun on him. Custer and I are sitting there going, holy cow. We're looking. Guys run out the back door. I'm not, all right. Next thing you know, I don't know. We go out, we come back. We always ended at Marty's because we would play a car poker game named West called Western until four in the morning with a couple of cops, firemen, and a variety of miscreants. We come back. It's about, I don't know, midnight, one o'clock. We look over alar- our, uh, at the Clark station over here, and two guys are in body bags. That's right, body bags. Anyway, don't know why I told that story other than to tell you I grew up when you went to a convenience store, a gas station, bars, you had a buzz to get in or they were all behind glass 
and you put that, you said, okay, I'd like a pack of whatever, or a six pack of beer. They would put it, spin it. You put your money, you spun it. I'm used to that. The world is catching up to Gary, Indiana. I guess that's my point. Gary, Indiana, a precursor of things to come. Next. Oh, man, you know it's coming. I, is this racist? Is this going to be considered racist, making fun of an idiot that pulls the alarm? Absolutely not. Everybody should go as a fire alarm and see where it says pull down. Put a hole in there and put your pee-pee out. Uh, go Josh Primo. Combine Jamal Bowman and Josh Primo. Go with the decent exposure fire alarm. I think that's a pretty good way to go on Halloween. Just don't go where any kids are. Hey, you might get lucky. Next! Democrats when refugees go to red states. Democrats when re- <laughs> refugees go to their states. By the way, what the hell's going on with Britney Spears? My God, woman. Here's all you need to do. Get in shape. Take off your clothes. Oil down your body and do some concerts. You'll be fine. Instead, you're in kind of shape, looking good to me. You got some outfits on, and you're in your house waving around knives. That ain't it. Go back being Britney, bitch. Get that synthesizer and make it sound like you can sing and get out there and shake it, baby. 40-year-old women are in. 40-year-old women are all the rage. Go get it done. But stop with the crazy, please. But this is true. Democrats are all in. Hey, man, take your refugees to red states. What? You don't want the refugee refugees? You're racist. Wait, you want them in our states? Uh-uh. Nuh-uh. No. Wait, maybe you weren't racist. Maybe you just understood. Huh. Interesting. How many crimes are we going to see coming up? And you know it's going to be a ton. How many crimes are we going to see by illegal immigrants coming up here? It's already started, and it's only going to get worse. But we don't understand it because Joe Biden, well, he's got a lot of crazy-ass followers. I swear to you, if you vote for that idiot, don't tell me. Just don't tell me. Because if you vote for that idiot, I'm not going to have any respect for you. And I want to respect all people. I do. I do. What a great show today. You guys showed up today. The YouTube chat was on fire. I've been monitoring it all day. I've been watching this thing all day. Then Pastor Man says, my wife's in her 50s, and she's like, fine wine. You're damn right she is. You are damn right. Truth of the matter is, man, when I was divorced, you know what? I had a couple 20-something-year-old girls hitting on me, and I'm like, yeah, no. Now, when you get divorced and you got all this going for you, a lot of women hit on you. It was kind of crazy time in my life. But no chance did I want to sit there and listen to some 25-year-old tell me your life story. No, sir. All right. Have a great afternoon, everybody. Have a great afternoon. You are going to see a ton of crime coming up soon by illegal immigrants. It's just going to happen. And make no mistake, make no mistake, ladies and gentlemen, NFL officiating, according to NFL refs and former refs, 
is horse bleep because the NFL made a decision that they, ladies and gentlemen, are going with diversity inclusion instead of experience. It's just the way it is. Get mad, glad, angry, or sad. Nick and Nick and Dylan and Ryan and Aaron and Katie and Beth the Booker and Haley cannot thank you guys enough. You guys are awesome. See you.